Welcome, everybody. Game Day Everyday Podcast here, episode 18. So excited to have you along board with us alongside Rob Higgins, the executive director of the Tampa Bay Sports Commission. I am Ryan Bass. Rob, it has been uh, it's been fun. I've gotten to see you a lot more recently, but there's been some exciting news, not only in your world, but in mine, uh, officially underway with the Orlando Magic. Uh, really excited about my 26 games this year with uh, with Bally Sports. And so certainly I, pumped, on, man. Hold on, hold on. What? What? I just hope that you're still allowed to do those 26 games after well, I go I mean? on Instagram yesterday and you have your carousel up and it is, there's a couple of really cool shots. It was almost like the, you know, the first couple still pictures were almost like those hype recruiting graphics or shots that yeah. people do in their recruiting visits. I mean, they looked unbelievable. And then I swiped to the final uh, piece of content there which was a video of you I I hate to call it dribbling because you were like patting the ball but staring at it and concentrating and I commented like Ryan we need to get your head up you gotta bend your knees you gotta be able to see the floor but I'm really concerned with your dribbling skills like when you grew up were you not exposed to the sport of basketball or what exactly happened all right, so look, my 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 amateur athleticism has taken a no, nosedive since my high school days. Uh, I used to actually, every day, I would go out and play uh, my neighbor's uh, hoop. He's got it in his driveway. Every day, I'd have like- Yeah, but you were a spot-up guy, because well, you that, that's, that's your first time. I'm convinced that video, that was your first time ever so, dribbling. Well, so I, I, you know, I had some, I, I did like an announcement post and I put some of the videos and I had friends being like, bend your knees. Like, man, we really got to work on that dribbling of yours. Look- Consider me the Joe Ingles of this podcast and in my life, right? Joe, he's about 34, 36 years old. Basically, all he's good at right now is being a corner three specialist kind of guy. That's all I'm going to do. I'm going to sit in the corner and I'm going to wait for my teammates to make plays. And I'm just going to be a spot up shooter, you know? And if I don't, if I, if I don't have, you know, a free shot, I'm going to kick it back to my teammate and I'm going to just draw the defense. You know, you got to always respect me on the outside. Yeah. Well, that's probably smart because I have an I have an idea that if you try to put the rock on the floor, it's going off those d- Nike dunks that you wear and going straight <laughs> out of bounds, and the other team is going to the opposite side of the floor with the ball. You Actually, are the turnover waiting to happen with those you, you, skills. You'll like this story, and we'll get into the podcast here. We got a lot coming up here on the Game Day Everyday Podcast. But uh, so while we were doing the the promo videos there, and Ballet Sports had a great setup, and really excited for for you know Magic Basketball this year. I think they're going to be great. But uh, I was doing some dribbling for one of the Gladiator shoots, and you know this is a uh, I mean this is a really impressive setup with screens and LED lights, and I'm I'm kind of doing a dribble, and what happens? it bounces right off my shoe and goes right into one of the screens. And those guys looked at me and they were like, yeah, let's not do that again. So I got a scolding from them. I get a scolding from my friends. I got one from you. The moral of the story here is don't dribble, just shoot. And that's a, that's a shooter shoot volume shooter. That's exactly what we're going to do, buddy. Well, and it's a, it's a great segue because today we're talking about youth and amateur sports and your <laughs> dribbling is as amateurish as it gets. <laughs> but I will say um, you know, a lot of the events we recruit here, a variety of sports. We're going to sit and talk with Jason Augie, our senior vice president for sports tourism. But it's everything from club volleyball to soccer to AAU basketball. And and I really I could see you participating in like a nine and under ish type of AAU tournament where you could really hone in on those getting those dribbling skills better. What do you think? 
Uh, I'm going to get crossed over by a nine-year-old and tear my ACL, which is exactly what's going to happen in that. But yes, no, I agree. I think I think given all of the youth and amateur sports events we've got in town, I, sh- I could find one where I could still have some eligibility and go back and compete with the nine to 13-year-olds. But uh, in all seriousness, Robin, and you brought this up because this episode really is dedicated to you, really talking about you know how we have become the epicenter of youth and amateur sports, what's on the horizon, not just for the rest of this year, but in 2024, and the job that Jason Augie and Tony Diaz have really done in this space of growing us into the premier place to host youth and amateur athletics. And we'll get an update on the NCAA volleyball championships coming up on this episode. And we've got a replay Tampa Bay collection event happening. If you're listening to this on Friday, the 27th, it's happening today. Um, you know, and Royal Rumble, of course, we'll get an update on that. But let's just start in this space because Rob, I think one of the things I've been most impressed about is we talk about all the events that we've got and a lot of the major events we focus on, especially coming up when you've got WrestleMania or excuse me, Royal Rumble that'll be your WrestleMania that has been here, Super Bowls, you know, Frozen Fours, uh, NCAA Final Fours, the volleyball championships. But when it comes to what we do at our core and what our bread and butter is, youth and amateur sports is truly what we continue to refine and be really, really efficient. And I credit Jason, Tony, and the entire team for for making us really the go-to destination for a lot of these youth, youth and amateur athletics. Absolutely. We, we want to be as balanced as possible and we want to be consistent as well. And so while those major events are awesome and they put us on the stage that our community deserves to be on the youth and amateur market is a consistent each and every weekend economic driver for our community when we first started a couple of decades ago there was 100 sports commissions across the country and now there's over 650 and all 650 have different missions goals budgets you know uh, infrastructure setups you name it uh, they're all unique in their own way some focus on major events only, some focus on youth and amateur events only. Uh, We really have chosen to have this balance and to be able to go after the big events, but then also uh, treat those youth and amateur events just as we would the Super Bowl uh, or any of these collegiate championships we've had the privilege of of hosting. So uh, Jason Augie and Tony Diaz from our team have really spearheaded uh, that area for us. Uh, They've grown an incredible reputation across the country uh, with event organizers and have have carved out a unique niche. We're excited to have Jason Augie, our Senior Vice President for Sports Tourism, joining us today to give us an update in terms of the youth and amateur markets. Jason, to kick things off, first off, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me back. Good to see you guys. He's also the most the, the best looking, you know, member of the Tampa Bay Sports Commission staff, too. I mean, you you left that off of the Ryan, the- you gotta be careful saying that because the head does not need to get any bigger. He, always, <laughs> he already wears like an eight and three eighths hat. So <laughs> by giving him compliments like that, we don't we don't want to go there. We don't go there. But I got you, Jason. You know that. I got appreciate you. Appreciate it, Ryan. Good looking out, man. We know you're no stranger to the show. Uh, but but for those that are not familiar you know, maybe give us a little bit of background on how you made your way to the Sports Commission almost two decades ago. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, growing up in northern New Jersey, I never thought I would end up in Florida. But, you know, I got a degree in sport management and business at James Madison University in Virginia. Did an internship at the Philadelphia 76ers my junior year. Ended up leaving college the second half of my senior year to take an internship at the Amateur Athletic Union, AAU, in Orlando. Was working baseball national championships. Uh, at the wide world of sports, 
uh, graduated, took a job at Polk County Sports Marketing uh, just up the road. Um, and at the time, we were actually doing the second most events in the state behind Disney. Uh, so it pre provided a really cool opportunity to get some, some great experience, exposure. And then, uh, you know, Rob and I, uh, you know, connecting on the convention circuit, uh, obviously hit it off. I uh, was at Polk County for a year and a half before he made me an offer I couldn't refuse uh, to come over and, uh, and join Tampa. And it's been an amazing ride uh, ever since as we approach year 19. And it just feels like you're getting started. Both of you here, uh, the vanguards and, and really the uh, the godfathers of, of the Tampa Bay Sports Commission. And, you know, look, I, we, we talk a lot about the major events, Jason, that, that comes to our town, you know, especially coming up. We've got so many here in the area, really within the next six to 12 months. But when you talk about the youth and amateur market, you and Tony Diaz have obviously spearheaded that. How much you you enjoyed kind of growing that profile in this space, really from the ground up and establishing us as as really the premier spot to attract a lot of these youth and amateur events? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question, Ryan. I mean, you know, the, the youth and amateur market has truly become the foundation of our organization where we're averaging 80 to 100 events in a given fiscal year. And it's it's not the tradition. It's not just the traditional sports that you see. It's a lot of uh, non-traditional support uh, sports. Uh, something that we've put a significant amount of energy into to try and attract events of all uh, shapes and sizes. Um, you could literally name a sport and I bet we're hosting some, uh, you know, some version of an event, um, you know, in the industry. And for us, it's it's really all about the process. You know, uh, I think that's one of the most rewarding parts, you know, to see the growth that we've experienced and to become one of arguably the best sports commissions in the country. Uh, you know, I think it's just that attention to detail from the one-on-one -on -one meetings we have at different conventions and, and conferences to receiving the RFPs, you know, that outline what a client is looking for to building a custom bid that's specific to what they're looking for. And then, you know, if we're fortunate to be awarded working behind the scenes to make sure it's, uh, it's a tremendous success. And I think one of the things that separates us is we're not just transactional in the sense of, hey, we've got a deal done, good luck. We're with our clients every step of the way. And it's, you know, to make sure they get what they need. And it's intrinsically rewarding from the standpoint too, that, you know, when you walk through the streets of downtown or, you know, our malls or the airport or Hyde Park, or, you know, at your at attractions and you see these different teams and these families out and about in the community, you know, spending money uh, at the restaurants, at bars, uh, in local businesses, and know that it's a direct result from your efforts that you're employing as a team uh, is, is amazingly uh, rewarding. So, yeah, I mean, we've, uh, we've come a long way, Rob, and, you know, with his leadership, uh, uh, we, you know, he sets the mark and the tone and, and we just follow and, and do what we do, uh, thanks to all the uh, the amazing partnerships we have in the uh, in the community. That's really well said. Now, Ryan, you and I have talked in the past about uh, the main metric we use in terms of evaluating the economic impact of these events are hotel visitor room nights. You can't dispute whether or not a hotel visitor room night takes place, uh, how much that room night. Um, how much it costs, you can compare it across other events, really be able to determine the ROI of events. And so our high watermark in our history before this past year was 220,000 hotel visitor room nights. This fiscal year, which just wrapped up on September 30th, 
we generated over 250,000 hotel room nights, which again is a great record and an awesome testament to all of our partners pulling together to make sure we're successful as Jason referenced and certainly uh, the strength of our youth and amateur market. For, for our listeners, Jason, if you don't mind taking them through some of the highlights from this past year and what really contributed to those 250,000 room nights. Obviously, they're familiar with the Frozen Fours of the world and the Savannah Bananas and all of those, but maybe some of the events that they, they aren't quite as familiar with that really helped fill our hotels, our shops, and our restaurants. Yeah, I mean, if we if we had the time, I would go through all 99 events that we hosted this past fiscal year. But, uh, you know, it's tough. I, I will say kind of, you know, on that macro level, if you will, you know, focusing on finding that delicate balance between customer retention with respect to current clients uh, and then also recruiting new events. You know, you hit on some of the new ones that were here to the market that I think a lot of people focus on. Uh, but when you really dial in and look at the different sports, which I'll, I'm happy to get into in just a second, uh, that's a huge focus. Um, and it's true. You know, when we I think one of the big reasons why we're successful is that we're focusing on once we get a client here uh, and delivering a great experience, we then have been very uh, fortunate to get a, a, a multitude of multi-year deals done. And so what that does is provide a leveraging opportunity. So, you know, you look at a couple examples of that DPL soccer. Uh, we had a chance to meet. They were brand new to the market. We met with their director out at the Sportsplex. It was their first time in Tampa. They absolutely loved it, uh, so much so that they ended up uh, agreeing to bring uh, their uh, one of their showcase events that's an even a higher performing event to Tampa in 2024. So that March event that they hosted this past year, a little over 6,000 room nights, uh, will transition to a January event in 2024 that's that's going to uh, far exceed uh, that performance. Uh, we have we've made tremendous strides in the lacrosse space. We've got uh, a group that's going to be coming in on a two-year deal based on the experience that the same group that manages that DPL soccer group is managing this lacrosse opportunity. They said, hey, this is a great fit for what you're looking to do. Now it's opened up doors in the lacrosse space for uh, an event that's going to generate over 8,000 rooms the week before Thanksgiving moving forward. Uh, U90C Sports is another great example. Uh, they were here with their premier Supercopa Plus over Memorial Day, first time event. Their CEO and president was so enamored with uh, Tampa uh, that he said it was one of the best events that their staff has ever done. Uh, so that's what we're going for. And now we're in discussion on another one of their uh, key events that would be even larger, uh, three times the size of what we hosted this past Memorial Day. And then the best example is you know, probably our relationship with US Youth Soccer. Uh, they were one of the first major clients that opened the Sportsplex back in 2019. Uh, seven events and over 17,000 room nights later, uh, they've become a staple in our community. Um, so when you talk about leverage, that's one of the keys. Uh, we announced a couple of weeks ago that their Southern Regional Championship will be coming to Tampa in 2024. It's over 10,000 rooms uh, that we're hosting in concert with the Florida Youth Soccer Association and uh, Polk County uh, sports marketing. So, you know, it, it's it's those type of opportunities um, that that are so key for what we do. But probably one of the biggest ones, uh, one of the biggest gets from this past year that's such a tremendous success story is in cheerleading uh, with Varsity Spirit. Uh, this past April, this past April, we hosted uh, four day, two two events over four days 
uh, that generated over 7,600 room nights, uh, garnered incredible feedback, uh, so much positive uh, momentum that they now want to sign a deal through 2030. Uh, so that's pretty remarkable. Um, as we look forward to 2024, uh, they're expecting a 4,000 room night increase uh, to a little over 11,000 year over year. Uh, and they currently have over 60, 65 hotel contracts signed. That's how big this is. So when you factor in the bigger ticket events with some of these youth and amateur events, and then, oh, by the way, the growth that we see uh, in a variety of different sports, I don't know if our listeners uh, know this, uh, but we host the Guinness Book of World Record largest flag football tournament uh, in the world. Uh, a thousand teams are in Tampa uh, in January. Uh, and again, that's another long-term deal that we've entered into. United Soccer League, they're headquartered here in Tampa. Uh, they continue to see tremendous growth and bring more and more events to Tampa, which, uh, which we're excited about. And then the equestrian market, one of our top five performing markets year after year over at the Florida State Fairgrounds uh, is just tremendous. Jason stays busy, huh, Rob? That's right. There's no <laughs> doubt. Uh, I'll we, tell you what. We all do. And it's fortunate when you got 50,000 tourism and hospitality employees. I don't want to say there's pressure, but certainly we understand uh, the need to be able to fill these weekends and make sure that there's plenty of events here taking place that can help support all these jobs. I I, I love it. And I, I think it's just listening to Jason and that last answer to microcosm of just how important our community is to youth and amateur sports. And, you know, Rob, we've had discussions on this podcast about the world-class venues we have in town, you know, whether it be Emily arena or Raymond James stadium, just to name a few. And, and, you know, Jason, you brought this up with the sportsplex, the tournament sportsplex of Tampa Bay has been such a key game changer for you guys. Um, you know, how much of, of our clients, their attendees, you know, really enjoyed that facility and, and how much has that been key to really the growth of youth, youth and amateur events here in our area? Yeah, Ryan, it's opened up a door to bring events to Tampa that we never had the opportunity to uh, in the past. And, and I think once people get on site and experience it, uh, it really sells itself. I mean, it is a 15 field fully lit complex uh, run by the Tampa sports authority uh, who runs Raymond James Stadium, handful of golf courses uh, as well. And it's a tournament-only facility in that there's no club or, you know, weekday play. So the fields are as pristine uh, as possible, which is obviously uh, incredibly critical to uh, a successful event. Um, but the best part about that facility is not resting on its laurels or, or standing pat. They're continually investing and making it better. We'll see that with a brand new uh, a brand new building that's being uh, constructed that's about 98% finished that'll uh, help alleviate a lot of uh, the logistical needs that a client has to bring in. So it's looking at ways to improve uh, consistently. Uh, but the biggest thing I think about the sportsplex, because there's a number of these venues throughout the country, I think one of the key differentiators for us, though, is the staff. Um, and the feedback that we get from the Tampa on the on the Tampa Sports Authority staff uh, is pretty remarkable. You know, at an industry conference a couple of weeks ago, I had a guy come up to me who runs uh, flag football tournaments all over the country, saying the Sportsplex is probably one of the top three venues in the country uh, in, as far as where we host events. But your team over there at this, with that runs it is bar none the best. And so that's what you want to hear is having people like that who care, uh, who are dialed in and are willing to do whatever it takes to make sure it's a, uh, a successful experience. And the last thing I'll say, it's really interesting since it opened, uh, 
we are attracting some of the biggest events in the country. It's now operating almost like a convention center in the sense where you have groups that are requesting first and second option holds behind existing events that should the opportunity arise where a date would be available, that's where the demand is to try and get in and, and, and be in Tampa. Yeah, there's no doubt that the Sportsplex has been a big time game changer for us. So a lot of times people say, what's next? Well, we actually recently worked with the Tampa Sports Authority to commission a couple of feasibility studies. One uh, for an indoor field house, probably geared mostly towards basketball, volleyball, as well as other indoor sports. And then also a baseball and softball complex uh, that could give us you know, an edge in terms of those markets as well, specifically. So the two different consultants were hired. They performed those studies, those feasibility studies. They were recently presented to the Hillsborough Board of County Commissioners. Uh, the county commissioners, you know, asked different questions related to them, uh, got a chance to hear really in depth about both, both of those reports. And now they have directed county staff to continue to work through the possibility of them. As we've talked about before, we're only going to be as good as our, our places to play. So naturally, every bid starts with whether or not you have the facility to be successful. So we're constantly looking to see what the next potential facility could be here for us to maintain and continue to increase our, our share when it comes to sports tourism. Now, we talked about this past year, but what about this upcoming year, Jason? What can we expect in terms of the youth and amateur space for the end of 2023 as well as all of 2024? Yeah, I think more of the same, Rob. I mean, to, uh, you know, we're projected to eclipse over 100 years or excuse me, 100 events uh, this upcoming fiscal year. And we couldn't be more bullish on where the sports tourism market uh, is currently and where it's going. You know, I, I was looking at our calendar. We have 18 events in the month of January alone. Ten of those are brand new to Tampa. I mean, that's pretty remarkable. Um, you know, diversification will continue to be a focus. Uh, we're expanding with new events in hockey, cheerleading, basketball, soccer, flag football, softball. Uh, and bowling. And then we'll see strong, you know, travel numbers. I think that's going to stay the same, you know, with record attendance. Again, I just got an update from one of our volleyball clients that three of the four events coming to Tampa in 2024 are expecting significant growth. And, you know, with the chatter about a potential recession looming, you know, we've seen time and again, where, you know, the sports tourism industry is recession proof in a lot of ways. And then, you know, also to a degree pandemic proof. So, you know, people are, are not going to necessarily cut their overall uh, spending um, when it comes to uh, uh, to sports. But going back to your question about projections for the year ahead, you know, Tony and I just got back from uh, two of the top three industry trade shows at, at the Teams Conference and then at Connect Sports. And, you know, with over 100 individual one-on-one -on -one, uh, speed dating appointments, uh, we couldn't be more encouraged, not only with the feedback that we garnered as far as, you know, uh, how Tampa's performed, but also with some of the new opportunities that we've identified. So we'll see a handful of short-term leads uh, over the next few months that should translate into 2024. Uh, naturally, we've, we're, we've been very vocal about trying to get USA Gymnastics back. Um, that's one of several uh, major proposals that's currently out there and being explored, uh, along with a handful of bids that were recently submitted for some opportunities in the year for the year that we feel cautiously optimistic about. Um, so again, you know, we're 
we're very bullish on you know the year ahead and and obviously the foreseeable future. We want to give a quick great. plug before kicking it over to to Ryan for the next question. Um, for those that aren't signed up for our newsletter, you, you got to check it out. You can go on our website, tampabaysports.org. There's a newsletter uh, tab there where you can sign up. But just in this past edition that got uh, released and distributed last week, we added a youth and amateur sports update that'll take place as part of every newsletter where a lot of the great stuff that Jason's talking about now, you'll be able to get similar insight, understand the events that just took place, understand some of the events coming up, and it'll be a must read for sure. So we're already seeing a lot of you know, our hotel and hospitality community uh, sign up specifically as part of that, but definitely something uh, if you're interested in what's going on in our community and want to stay up to date, log on our website and and sign up to be a part of it. Really easy to sign up to. You can do that right uh, on the Tampa Bay Sports Commission's website, tampabaysports.org. Um, I do want to give some credit. You've mentioned his name a few times, Jason, but um, obviously the work would not be uh, as as fruitful uh, in terms of youth and amateur events without your co-partner, uh, Tony Diaz. And we all know, me being a big UCF guy, represented it here on the show. Tony is as well. I, I'm, I'm hoping that more UCF nights can infiltrate the Sports Commission here soon. I've been trying to commission that with Rob, but um, you know, I know that we've been failing at that. Uh, he also recently married, too, to uh, his beautiful wife, Kimberly, so very excited for that. Engaged. engaged. There's still some engaged, engaged. around their engaged. relationship, especially because he <laughs> just got back from his bachelor party. Wow. So we're waiting. Oh! Type of fallout is... He, we thought he was going to Charleston, but he returned from what he's calling Charles Tony. So it's it's interesting. We're gonna see, but so far it's still on on schedule okay. the wedding, and we're we're certainly pulling for him. The odds, I don't know, or if they're in his favor anymore. Okay, well we'll have to dedicate a, a podcast episode to recap um, yeah, the Charles Tony and uh, and the give a wedding update to uh, to our our loyal listeners. But in all seriousness, uh, Tony has been such a, a huge key uh, you know addition to you know the sports commission. He's, he's been here for quite some time now. But can you just speak to just kind of the impact that he's had and how much he means to, to the team. Yeah. I mean, Tony is really the glue to our organization. You know, he's got a relentless drive and a humbleness about him, you know, the consummate team player, consummate professional, no job too big or too small. Um, you know, and, and looking at his development over the past 13 years has been uh has been really uh, impressive uh, to where he is now and doing what he does. Um, he's done a tremendous job of propelling our sales and events, uh, hosting efforts forward. Uh, I mean, just a, uh, a great team player all around, and, and we're very lucky to have him. And Ryan, you touched on it. The fact that he's been able to accomplish everything uh, that Tony has in spite of his college education has been really, really one of the most impressive yeah things about him so again thank you to tony and certainly thank you to jason for for all of the hard work we'll end with one question you you talked about the variety of sports that we touch based off youth and amateur i'll hit you with a softball question sure. specifically what does sports tourism mean to our community and why is it just so important to team tampa bay yeah, I think on the surface, when you look at 100 plus events in a given fiscal year, you know, the volume of people that are coming to the market, participating at these events, 
the spending and impact that you generated. It's obviously substantial. I think for us, we're driving business consistently throughout the year, you know, with a particular focus on need periods when maybe tourism is a little bit uh, slower. And I think it's a key part of Tampa Bay's DNA. You know, a lot of these events that we're hosting are really putting, you know, this, uh, this community and this region on the map. Um, you know, every now and again, we hear from people who come to the market that aren't necessarily familiar with Tampa. Um, they come in, they fall in love with it. And then, you know, you see where there's return visits, which are obviously uh, hugely important from an economic development standpoint. So uh, I think there's some real significance there. And But, you know, the best way to sum it up, I would say, is recently uh, one of the more prominent hotel GMs in the community uh, said, sports tourism used to be the icing on the cake, but now it's the lifeblood of this community. And so I think that's a really telling uh, comment that, you know, this organization and all the organizations that are part of Team Tampa Bay do such a tremendous job of working together uh, to move, you know, sports tourism uh, to the forefront of being one of the key drivers in this community. Jason, thanks so much for, for all that you do. And, and Tony as well, you are a true Team Tampa Bay MVP. And I, I will tell you, thanks again. A lot of our uh, competitors that we go up against have, you know, team staffs that are, you know, anywhere from 14 to 20 something people. We do it with seven. And, and the reason that we're able to do it with so few is because we have the best in the business. And certainly uh, Jason is right at the top of that list and what he's done and his service over the last uh, nearly two decades has been phenomenal. And so, Jason, we we, we truly appreciate you and all of your hard work and your leadership and the efforts of Tony as well. Not only is Jason exceptional at his job and very handsome, but he does have the best hair in Tampa Bay. I think there's no doubt that he absolutely crushes that mantle and is right at the top of the podium there, Rob. Oh, yeah. He's got great hair, but now this facial hair gimmick he has going <laughs> where he somehow only shaves the mustache, but not the rest of his face. I don't get it. He says it's the Cooper Cup look, um, which is about as good as he'll get when it comes to fantasy football, is referencing Cooper Cup. Uh, but, you know, again, the, the hair on the top of the head, fantastic. What he's doing on his face, I'm not figuring out just yet. You as a baby shaven, clean faced gentleman. I don't know. I don't know if you could be giving facial hair advice, but but neither here nor there, neither here nor there. We, you know, really excited about what we've got coming up, Robin. We'll get to the NCAA Volleyball Championships and update on that. Royal Rumble, of course. But uh, coming up today, and if you're listening to this episode again on, on Friday, October 27th, we've got a really cool Tampa Bay, uh, Replay Tampa Bay collection event. Um, I, I love the idea and the premise behind this, Rob. I love how we're incorporating all 13 Hillsborough County Public School home games. Uh, just kind of give us an update on on how this all came to be and uh, and and just what the mission is behind this this event today. Well, Replay Tampa Bay is our new and gently used sporting goods drive that's been going on the last 10 years. Uh, we've been fortunate to collect and distribute over 10,000 items. Claire Lessinger on our team, as well as Mike and all the others, have done just such, such an awesome job growing this program. And we've had everything from you know kids that have done bar mitzvahs, like we've interviewed in the past that have made Replay Tampa Bay uh, the benefactor of their bar mitzvah to Bucks home games where we've collected 
uh, new and gently used sporting goods drives at that. And we've had all the franchises participate in one way or another. So we really appreciate all of their support on it. Well, this partnership specifically, again, here for Friday, October 27th, is in partnership with our good friends at Hillsborough County Schools. And so at the 13 public school home games that will take place tonight, if you bring, if a student brings a new or gently used sporting good uh, to the game, they're able to get in for free. So this is truly our biggest collection event that we've ever done to have 13 different sites all going at, at one time is awesome. And we can't wait to be able to collect as many goods as possible so that in turn in the near future, we can get them in the hands of local kids in need that can great, get some great use out of them and really benefit from all that, that sports has to offer. And it can work back into those youth and amateur events that we have here in town and how we're really trying to be the epicenter of uh, youth and amateur sports really in, in the entire world here in Tampa Bay. Uh, some big events coming up, Rob. Let's let's hit a couple of them. 50 days out, where I guess 49 now technically from the NCAA Volleyball Championships here. Uh, what's it? Any more ticket updates? I know we were we were having some some really big demand. Oh, you're shaking your head. No, I'm, I'm yeah, not a lot. I think we're pretty limited. Ticket updates because there's not many, many left, <laughs> which is a great thing and i think it really speaks to uh the support um and the interest in the in the sport i mean you certainly can can log on to Ticketmaster uh and be able to see some of the verified uh resale tickets that are available um and i can tell you our market has really embraced the event as has uh the entire country who's who's traveling here to be a part of it you know the registration numbers as you heard on our last episode with uh jamie gordon the head of the abca the registration numbers for that convention are off the charts uh the season has been incredible uh the the matches that have taken place the movement among the top 25 it's anybody's game in terms of the four that will make it here so we've been focusing on the logistics, working hand in hand with the NCAA and feel like we're in fantastic shape. It's going to be a historic event and we can't wait for December 14th and 17th. Really, really excited for it and and excited about the the interest level that we've been able to drum up because we've been talking about this for a while, Rob, and, and to just see fans really clamoring to be here. Um, you know, in the upper center of what will be uh, an, an amazing event. December will be a crown of champion is, is really, really cool. Uh, after that, we've got Royal Rumble, which will be here before you know it. Um, I know tickets went on sale. Any update on that? Because I, I, we know how passionate wrestling fans are, and especially to be here on Gasparilla weekend, celebrating with our community. I can imagine there's quite the rush to get down here in January. Oh, it's absolutely crushing. It went on sale a, a week ago and has done incredible, you know, far and beyond uh, any of our expectations. Uh, there are a handful of tickets left, but uh, you, you better be quick. It's royalrumble.com in order to buy those tickets for uh, the Royal Rumble, which takes place at Tropicana Field on January 27th. And then the tickets for Raw just two nights later at Amelie Arena. Uh, will go on on sale shortly. So we'll continue to keep you updated in terms of when those hit the market. But it's going to be a really special weekend, uh, a great regional effort. There's representatives from WWE in town this week for a site visit, uh, helping map out the logistics of it all. So we, we can't wait uh, for what's going to be a unique and one of the most special Gasparilla weekends 
uh, that our community and our region has ever seen. I don't know if you know this about me, Rob, but I used to be a huge, huge WWF fan back in the day. I mean, I was, you want to talk about Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Edge, The Rock. I mean, these were the you know, Triple H. Those were your guys? Those were my, guys. Those were my you, guys. So you were like way past like Jake the Snake and Brutus the Barber Beefcake. No, and, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm Mick Foley. I'm The Undertaker. Th- that is my job. You're The Rock. Yeah, you. I could see that. And and I used like to, your do you smell what the rock is cooking impression? Can you? Oh, oh, oh I can do I can do the eyebrow. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's impressive. Okay. Yeah. Do you do you smell it? What Rob Higgins is cooking? And on that note, I wanted to come up with a wrestler name for each other because it's not fun to give us ourselves our own title, right? We have to come up with a creative wrestler name for it. So if you were to enter the ring, Rob, and as your theme music is playing and you're coming right out of the entrance to get into that ring for your Royal Rumble match. Higgins, the Hulkinator, it's coming out to make some noise. How do you like it, buddy? You like Higgins it? Higgins, the Hulkinator. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I could see it like with this physique, the baby oil on, yeah, yeah. the tights, all of it. Yeah. I'm sure everybody in the stands would be absolutely mortified. But yes. <laughs> And maybe my opponent would be scared because of it, and somehow I'd win by forfeit. Yeah, I think I think you would probably it would you know the oil would be glistening so hard it'd be hard to see. And you, you're pretty. I mean, knowing you, you're pretty agile. So I, I'd give you a, a chance, Higgins the Hulkinator. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And, and then in in turn with you, like I could see the whole place going dark, and then all of a sudden, like your entrance music would be under the sea by little mermaid and then it would be ryan the largemouth bass and you'd be like that talking bass on the wall where you just like talk your opponents to death and you're flopping in their ring i mean it i think it'd be pretty cool what do you think i love it i love it and i could what i could do is i could kind of i can kind of swim in to the you know to yeah. the ring really play into the bass i love it man thank Thanks for that. And I think it'd be, I mean, listen, if you hear the Little Mermaid soundtrack coming on, you know it's about to go down under the sea. That's you know right. I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I like it. I think we got a little more work to do before January, but it's coming together. These this is coming together. And if we play our cards right, I think WWE may be interested in having out of those 30 different superstars that participate in Royal Rumble, maybe the Hulkinator and the Largemouth Bass. Could be two of those and then 28 of the other guys uh, to take us on. Do I have to dribble? No, please don't. Ever again. I mean, that was absolutely horrific. I had trouble sleeping last night after seeing you dribble. I mean, that was wild. We'll work on it. We'll work on it. We'll work on the wrestling physique and we'll work on the dribbling here coming up. Thanks, everybody.